Cause she fancy, yeah She on her own grind, don't got a lot of time Cause she fancy, yeah She ain't steady, just extra pretty Cause she fancy, yeah She got her own dollars, ain't with the drama she fancy, yeah She gon' demonstrate that she sophisticated Cause she fancy, yeah for joining me today for Fancy Chat Podcast. I am your host, Tisha, and today I have um, a financial aid specialist by the name of Tamaya Cloy joining me today. So just to give you a little bit of information about Tamaya, of course, her uh, bio is on my website, fancychatblog.com, uh, but just to kind of give you a little bit of information now, um, Tamaya earned her Master of Science in Student Personal Administration, um, and she actually began working in the field of social work, and then she quickly learned that the social work area was not a great fit for her. Um, And so after she worked in social work, she decided to start working in the financial aid department and fell in love with student services and it has become her career. Um, So I chose Tamaya today to actually talk a little bit about financial aid and we will reference my story in FAFSA. Um, But she's definitely moved up in the area of financial aid. So she doesn't focus that much on FAFSA. And so we'll focus a little bit more on the funding process um, because she currently coordinates the largest student loan program in the Midwest. Hey, now, welcome Tamaya. Hello. 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 Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So why don't you give me a little bit more of information about you? Because I think that that is a great story um, that you put in your bio, how you started out in social work. So just a little bit more background information. I've known Tamaya for a very, very long time. We actually attended undergrad together. Um, we know I love my HBCU, Alabama A&M. Um, and so that's where I know that you started out in social work. And so and then you transitioned into financial aid. So can you kind of tell me a little bit more about that process um, and the humanity side of it, what it does for you? Absolutely. Well, I always knew that I had a passion for helping people. That's always been like my big thing. So when I graduated from undergrad, I figured that social work was just going to be an absolutely great fit. It was something that I knew that I would be able to help people, work with children, hopefully work with mothers, and just be able to really make a difference. And once I started, I hated it. (laughs) I absolutely hated it. I had to go into homes and see children that had been abused and neglected and moms that honestly some of them were doing the best that they could but they just it it just wasn't enough right and it was heartbreaking and I found myself taking that back home with me every day and at the time I had a small baby so I would look at my own baby and I just felt so terrible that these children just didn't have their basic necessities being met and I just couldn't do it And it's a really funny story, and I'll try to make it quick. I was actually in the mall, and I was taking my pictures for my um, bachelor's degree um, graduation photos. I wanted some new photos to go on my invites for graduation. And I met this lady at the mall, and she says, hey, you look smart. Um, Can I talk to you for a second? And normally, that just doesn't happen, and I don't just talk to random people in the mall. But it was just something about her that just made me just open up to her, and she was just really nice. And the questions she she was asking me, I really felt like I was on an interview. Normally, I would not even entertain this, but I just did at that moment. I guess God was directing me to her. And actually, she called me in for an interview. She was the director of financial aid at a college in my city at the time, and 
we hit it off. Mm-hmm. I got the job, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to use this job to navigate and figure out what it is I really want to do, and I actually fell in love with it from that point on, and I've been in financial aid ever since. Oh, I definitely love that story and that servant spirit because, you know, you went into, um, you know, the social services. It didn't necessarily work out for you, but you're still in the position to help people. I think that's so awesome. Thank you, Tamaya. Absolutely. We Thank definitely you. appreciate people like you because if anybody read my story, I mean, in, in you as well, we have the same nightmares um, with going through financial aid and going through FAFSA, sitting in the financial aid office um, for hours. Uh, So we definitely need people like you, you know, with positive attitudes, the willingness to help, because we don't know what's really happening with financial aid. I've been through the process, but I, I mean, I can't guide anybody else because it's changed so much, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, I'm listening. And I think that's one of the biggest things is the fear of not knowing what to do. I think that so many people just have decided in their mind that financial aid is just going to be this really, really hard thing. They have no idea. They have no guidance, and they're just stuck. But most of the institutions do have people in the financial aid department that are willing to guide you through that process. Right, and and we would just pray that they have positive attitudes. (laughs) Absolutely. So, like, kind of let's go into the FAFSA just, you know, very briefly or whatever, because um, when we filed our FAFSAs way back when, I'm not going to give a year, um, we actually, you know, had to wait until tax time. You know, our, our parents filed their taxes, and then we would be able to do our FAFSA. Uh, what I uncovered when I was doing my story is that they actually have some new filing dates, um, and it appears as if it has moved up, and I think that that would probably be a little bit more beneficial because it's not, like, all last minute. Um, so can you kind of talk to me a little bit more about the new filing dates and expectations and like what year will we be looking for as far as documents from our parents or guardians? Absolutely. Um, The way that it used to work is you would use your previous year's tax information to complete the FAFSA and you wouldn't be able to do the FAFSA until January of the next year. So let's say for 2017, January 1st of 2017, you would be able to do your FAFSA for the 17-18 school year and you would use your 2016 taxes. That has always been a pain for certain students and it's because you're waiting for your parents to file their taxes, maybe they're waiting for their W-2. Maybe they're going to owe money, or maybe they're just waiting to the end of the year because that's how they, you know, pay their taxes. Mm -hmm. Students always run into different obstacles when that's concerned. And now you can file your taxes as early as October 1st of of 2016 for the 17-18 school year. And the reason that that is so beneficial is because you're no longer looking to use your 2016 taxes. It's called prior, prior year. Mm -hmm. So you're actually using your 2015 taxes, which makes it a lot easier. It makes it easier for one, because you just used those taxes for the 2016-17 school year. It makes it easier because you just used those taxes, know where they are and you're able to go ahead and reuse that information. Another thing that's new for the FAFSA is the data retrieval tool. That is where we basically are able to go into the FAFSA, complete the application, and when you get to the finance portion of the FAFSA, Mm -hmm. you can actually take the information from the IRS where you've already filed your taxes and input that directly on your FAFSA, which helps you to basically avoid making mistakes because that's usually what gets our students into the most, you know, the most trouble. 
that tool has been put on hold again until 2018-19, so it won't be available until the next August, not this coming 17 August. Mm -hmm. So the good thing about prior, prior year is you don't have to worry about any of that because you just grab mom and dad's 2015 taxes, your 2015 taxes, and you're on your way. Perfect. I think that's super convenient because I remember actually filling them out via paper. I mean, grad school was totally different. Um, so I think that that has been so and it's something that you actually just said as well. So you can use like the students um, W-2 information as well, not just parents. You can add that in there as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. And so we talk a lot about about we talk a lot, excuse me, about the FAFSA. Um, what does FAFSA stand for? It's the free application for financial aid. Okay, perfect. And so is this really the only way that you can um, receive funding as far as like by the government or, or anything of that nature? Because I know that we're going to talk a little bit more, um, dig deeper into funding, but is this really the initial start for everyone or how does this process work? This is where we encourage you to start because a lot of times parents and students will decide in their minds, I'm not eligible for financial aid, I make too much money. Well, that's false because there are certain things that you can qualify for by doing the FAFSA that are not necessarily income-based. So we do encourage parents to start at the FAFSA because that's going to let you know if you qualify for federal grants, if you qualify for federal loans, and that will also determine in some states if you qualify for state grants. So that's why it's so important. Definitely very encouraging. And so um, let's definitely get that mindset where let's start here, see what's available, and then kind of work from there instead of just trying to figure it out on the own. Thank you very much. Um, so um, the, the, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, the five different um, funding options that I am familiar with would be grants, uh, scholarships, federal loans, private loans, and work study. So definitely have, have a lot of information on, well, I don't really have too much information about scholarships. Of course, we know what a scholarship is and all that great stuff, but kind of want to break that down too as, as far as how it goes from like year to year or semester, um, how it's broken down in terms. So let's talk about grants first um, because of course we all want grants before we, you know, go into Absolutely. any other area. Well, grants, when you do your FAFSA application, that's the first thing that's going to be determined is if you are eligible for the federal Pell Grant. That's the biggest grant and that's the most common grant. Now, that grant is income-based. So if you are a dependent student, meaning you are under the age of 24, you don't have any children that you've supported, and you're not married, you're going to be a dependent student, meaning you're going to need your parents' information as well as your own tax information if you filed any taxes. So that's going to be determined all by income. So basically, the lower your income is, the better your chances are of receiving full federal Pell Grant. And the higher your income is, that's where you're a little less likely. So that's one of the things that will determine your eligibility. Some of the other grants are more, are, I would say, first come, first serve. So like, we have a state grant that you qualify for by being enrolled at least as a half-time student, and it's state-sensitive. So the old date used to be January, and we would say, you know, that you're able to complete your FAFSA application in January, so between January and March, those students are usually typically the students that are going to qualify for that grant. Now that you can apply as early as October using prior prior year, we would say from October to possibly January or February, those are the students that are going to qualify for the state grant. So even though you may not qualify to receive some of the other grants, like maybe the federal Pell Grant, 
you can still qualify for state grants just by completing the FAFSA application. It may not cover your education, but every penny helps. I mean, it really does. And so that's awesome because I don't recall a state grant. And it probably was around, but again, this is just things that I didn't necessarily know. Um, and, and for all the people who have gotten frustrated um, with the Pell Grant, because, you know, you may only Absolutely. live... <laughs> You may only live in a one-parent household, and so you're like, okay, so I'm great. No, not really, because um, if they make a, a decent amount of money, you're still not getting anything. And so I will kind of, I do have a question to follow up in there, but we can just move into uh, scholarships now, which is always great. And you can start out early with that. I, I just attended an event where um, some high school seniors received over 24K in college scholarships, and that's so awesome. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about the scholarships. Yeah, I wish that, that would have been me. <laughs> Well, uh, scholarships, what I'll say about scholarships is our students often don't realize that they're available. Just about every institution has scholarships within their organization. It's just asking the right questions. Contact the admissions department. You don't always have to stick to financial aid. Often, if the institutions want the student bad enough and you ask, do you have private funding available? Do you have scholarships available for the students that are coming to your institution? Maybe for out-of-state students. Maybe for students that are here just that don't qualify for the Pell Grant. They often do have those funds available. You just may have to write an essay or do whatever requirement they have set up, but you have to ask those questions. Other than that, there are always outside scholarships that you can apply for, and those may require a little bit more. There are usually scholarships that you can qualify for academics, sports. There are so many scholarships that our students don't take advantage of, but just because you didn't qualify for a scholarship in high school, you shouldn't stop there. Right. Do your research. There are so many scholarships available that I wish I had taken advantage of when you and I were in college. Right. And it's definitely worth just looking for it, you know, just kind of getting exactly. out there and being proactive. We have the Internet now. You can Google anything. Um, there you go. And let's move into private loans since you did kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, and then we'll come back to the feds. But with the private loans, too, as you know, with me working in the financial institution, we do have private loans or, or different funding of um, available that people use towards college, but um, in a school environment, let's talk a little bit more about private loans and what you see. We're actually starting to see private loans become a little bit more popular. It used to kind of be, um, I would say a rarity to actually see students that actually needed private loans, especially at a two-year institution. But that's not really the case anymore because of the economy changing and we have people that are changing fields, so maybe they pursued a bachelor's degree and received a degree in that, and now they need to come back to school. However, they've um, exhausted their aggregate loan limit. So at this point, they need to be able to still finance their education, but they don't have the funding available. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of things that lead our students to private loans. Private loans aren't the first loans that we are encouraging our students to take advantage of. However, they can definitely help to fill in the gap. It just depends on where that student is as far as their need. Private loans are going to, of course, be credit based. So it's okay. going to be based on the student or the parent's credit depending on who's applying. So that is one of the things that can be a hindrance. But they're great if you need them. I, I, of course, would prefer students to take out federal loans because they tend to be at a lower interest rate, but right. sometimes you have to do what you have to do to finance your education. Absolutely. You brought up another great point, and I made a little note to ask you about that. And so you talked about um, exhausting your funds. And so... Um, 
we I've seen it happen. It didn't necessarily happen to me, but I feel like um, recently the the laws have gotten a little bit more stricter on the amount and the time that you have to like finish your degree or how much money we're going to give you. So what has changed in that area or what do you see that's pretty common or how can we prevent that? Absolutely. The first thing that changed was actually our Pell Grant limit. So our students have, you know, a limit where they're able to complete their program within a certain time frame. So for, I would say, a four-year student, it's usually six years of Pell Grant that you're able to receive, which is still a long time Mm -hmm. when you think about it. But unfortunately, if you don't complete your program within that time frame, maybe you went to school a long time ago, took a break, life happened, and then you came back, unfortunately, it doesn't start over. So that's where people run into trouble. Well, you know, I was young and, you know, silly back then, or this happened or that happened. Okay, that's, you know, unfortunate. However, once you return, it's just going to start where you left off. So you really have to be conscious of the classes that you're taking, making sure that you're taking classes that are for your program and that are going to help you accomplish your ultimate goal, which is graduation, because you do have a limit. Another thing that has been limited is the amount of subsidized loan. So there's a Mm -hmm. subsidized and an unsubsidized loan. The difference is the subsidized loan does not accrue interest while you're in school. So as long as you're in school, that interest, you don't have to worry about it. You just worry about the principal amount of the actual loan. The unsubsidized loan is going to accrue interest from day one. Now, because there's a limit, if you don't graduate within 150% of your program, Mm -hmm. which is another time frame, you're going to lose your subsidy. So that means you'll still be able to go to school, but now you're only eligible for unsubsidized loans. Wow. Okay. And and that's actually moving right into the federal loans. And so... um, we talk about the unsubsidized and the, and the subsidized, and so um, kind of break, explain that to me just a little bit more because I know that one is is not interest while you're in school, and then the next you do have that time frame. So kind of let's talk a little bit more about federal loans, or if there are any other federal loans that are included that I may not know about and anybody else. Okay. Well, my institution doesn't offer Perkins loans, but that's another loan that is kind of popular. Okay. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on subsidized loans. Subsidized loans, they don't accrue interest. So while you're in school, you're fine. Unsubsidized loans, from the moment you apply, it's going to accrue interest. Now, that doesn't make it a bad thing. That just means you have to be aware that your loan is accruing interest. So you need to be smart about that loan. If you don't need it, don't take it out. If you need it, be smart about it. Manage it. Make sure that you're taking out only the amount that you need. So those are some of the bigger things. A different, Another thing is a subsidized loan is a need-based loan. So what that means is it's based on your income. So if you're eligible for Pell Grant, you're going to be eligible for a subsidized loan. If you're not eligible for Pell Grant, you still may be eligible for a subsidized loan, but then it kind of determines, it kind of depends on what fits into your budget. Every student has a budget that's based on cost of attendance, transportation, books, all of those things, housing, all of those things matter. 
they're also going to look at are you an independent student, are you a full-time student, are you a part-time student. So that's why it's so important to actually talk to your financial aid professionals at your institution because there are a lot of questions, but you have the right to get these answers. You just have to ask the questions. Right, absolutely. And I think that one of the things, too, that I heard a lot about, but it wasn't until after the fact, was work-study. And so how does work-study really work? Goodness, that was weird saying that. But um, because is it in addition to what you already have, or is this like, hey, I have a job, but it's actually going towards, like, my books or tuition? Do I get to see any of that, or, or how does that work? That's a great question. Work study is actually a part of your budget. So let's just say your budget was ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and so from that ten thousand dollars, you get five thousand dollars in federal Pell Grant money. You were awarded a loan for thirty-five hundred, and so the remainder of that amount is what you would actually be able to get in work study funds. Now we both know that's only leaving you fifteen hundred dollars. So if you get that fifteen hundred dollars awarded to you for the year, that gives you $750. What that means is you're able to work for the fall and spring semester up to $750. Usually you're able to work up to 20 hours a week. You can work less depending on your school schedule and most departments will work with you. You will receive a paycheck every two weeks based upon that amount of money. So it does come out of your budget, but you are able to actually at least receive funds from there. Okay. And I mean, with that, when you receive that paycheck, is it your responsibility to go ahead and apply that to your tuition or is it just something kind of separate? It's usually your money because once you've been awarded work study, we've usually already taken our money. So you've paid for your tuition and your your books may be your responsibility depending Mm -hmm. on your institution. Some institutions have the books already built into the tuition and some are separate. So our institution is separate, but our tuition is already taken from the Pell Grant money. So you may receive a refund check, which is completely separate from your paycheck that you're going to receive from work study. It's actually a job. It's just you only can work up to the amount of money you have available. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad either because you're still actually getting something in return, even though you are because it's going towards your budget. But, you know, when you're a little younger or in your mindset is different, you're like, hey, I want to I want to see something. Um, so that's great there. I kind of want to move a little bit on from the funding because I want to talk about just what we go through on a regular basis and the different things that you see. And so I know a lot of parents um, have college funds for their kids and so um, but we have a lot of people out here that do not have the ability to do that and so that's why I put together the story on financial aid because financial aid you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to have my degrees without financial aid and so um, how important do you think it is for a college fund or better yet to be able to have something saved up because financial aid may not cover everything and then what happens I think it's super important. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think parents have to start saving as soon as they're able to. No amount is too small. What happens is, unfortunately, when a student can't pay for their education is we exhaust every option there is. So did they qualify for the Pell Grant? If so, that's applied. 
did they apply? Did they apply for a subsidized and unsubsidized loan? If so, check those off. Next, do they have any grants that they're eligible for other than the federal Pell Grant? What about state grants? Did they qualify? Did we, as an institution, exhaust all of our state grants? If not, are we able to give them a little bit? Mm-hmm. If not, we go to the next option: scholarships. Have they applied for scholarships? Are they receiving any outside or internal scholarships? And then the amount that's left over, what has to happen is then the student and the parent, if it's a dependent student, are able to set up payment arrangements and they have to pay down their tuition. Now, every institution is different as far as that's concerned, but the way we do it is whatever is left over, you're able to set up a payment plan. And you have to make payments on that during your semester. We will not be able to release your transcripts if you transfer or if you go to another institution, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so important for you to make sure that you try to clear that balance before the next semester because you won't be able to register without a clear balance for the next semester. Oh, well, yeah, because, of course, it'll be accumulating debt. Um, Absolutely. One other thing around um, when we talked about funding and making sure that you have enough money, what about the student? the grad student and so who's already you know used up some of their financial aid in undergrad and so now is grad time should they feel um worried or concerned about not having enough funds available to complete you know because usually it's a two-year program um and so will they how should they feel about that going into it No, grad students are usually okay for the most part. Um, Our undergrad students are the ones that are usually hit the hardest. The undergraduate loan limit is $57,500, which sounds like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And it can be. It just depends on your institution. So if you go to a state college and it's a four-year institution, you're probably going to be okay with that 57500 as long as you use it properly and you didn't attend any other institutions. That becomes kind of tricky if you started off at one institution and later on transferred to another institution and you didn't transfer many credits over. So it's almost like you just wasted, you know, a couple of years and then you transfer to another other institution and you've already used a lot of money. So that's where our students run into the biggest problems. Right. Now for my graduate students, your aggregate loan limit jumps from 57500 all the way to 138500 So you're usually pretty safe as far as a graduate student. Okay, perfect, 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 perfect. And so it was a lot of a lot of great information um, here today. And a couple other things, I just want to as a takeaway for today, I want to see. Like, what advice do you have for anybody kind of going in as a student, a parent, um, anything that you have gone through? Because one thing I want to say is, guys, it's very important for you to have a plan. And so um, I know that it's always said, hey, after you graduate from high school, you're supposed to move on into college. But if that's not really the right thing for you at that moment, it is okay. Um, It's better for you to actually just kind of take a step back, figure out what you want to do. And then instead of getting into all these other situations and then once you actually figure it out, you don't have the funding available. Um, So, Tamaya, thank you so much for all that great information. And if you could just give us some sort of takeaway and things that you've done with on a regular basis and things that you've seen often um, or some advice out there, what, what could you give us? 
What I would say is, like you said, you need to come with a plan. And for my students, I think that you need to take some time and really think about what it is you want to do. What do you want to major in? Not what's convenient, not what your parents are suggesting or friends. What do you truly have a passion for? I run into so many students that have majored in different subjects that they have absolutely no interest in, but they heard that that field makes more money or their mom or dad, you know, have has completed their degree in that particular field. You have to do what you have a passion for because those students do not complete those degrees. That is money that is just wasted. You need to have a plan. What do you actually want to focus on and how do you plan on going ahead and completing that goal? Make sure that you have steps. And as far as parents, write down your questions. Mm -hmm. When you go to the financial aid department, have questions. Take a notepad. Write down your answers. If you think of more questions, write those down too. And you call or you go back to the financial aid department and get your answers. Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest problem or the biggest issue that parents run into is they feel that they're not getting the answers that they need. Write the questions down and make sure that you're getting those answers. And also, make your child or your student write down questions because you're helping them learn to be independent. And the best way for them to do that is to learn what questions they need to be asking for themselves so that they can learn how to be independent and to ask the right questions and get the right answers. Awesome. Thank you very much. That's very, very good advice. And I definitely wish that I had that advice going through the process. And I'll just throw in there, just kind of have some patience and resilience. Um, you know, everything is it's not going to be a walk in the park, but it's definitely worth it. Um, again, thank you so much, Tamaya, for joining us today. Again, her bio is on my website, fancychatblog.com. A lot of good information was covered today. You don't want to miss it. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bowed up in all her splendor Take notice when she enters She make it hard not to remember How she felt in her agenda Politics with different women Smart, powerful business women Determined to reach their goals CEOs and CFOs Sophisticated divas When you pull up, ask for Tisha Stunned when she greets ya Picture perfect Mona Lisa Let's delegate, motivate, elevate Whether you pray or meditate Live better, be better, do better Fancy chat, make me and you better Yeah